Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet that's right up to $1,500 again sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in Ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park that's 1-800-GAMBLER Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo play this is the crossover an nba show hosted by sports illustrated's chris mannix and howard back it's a whole new level for you and me chris this relationship like and subscribe for the best weekly nba content these two are capable of what does that mean could be the best duo ever i don't see how you can beat that here they are chris mannix and howard back and we are back Chris Mannix, Howard Beck, Crossover Podcast. What's happening, Beck? Everything. Lots of things. Maybe too many things. I don't know what that means, but good work last week on the Friday episode of the podcast. Dan Grunfeld, the son of Ernie Grunfeld, author, terrific book. I listened to that whole interview, man. It was great. Uh, um, Dan's book is really excellent. Uh, if people didn't check out the podcast, please go check that out. Go check out his book, By the Grace of the Game. Um, his father, Ernie Grunfeld, of course, uh, you know, played in the league, GM for multiple teams in the league, and his parents survived the Holocaust. And their family story is incredible. Um, and there's plenty of basketball in there, too, because uh, it, it, it has a lot to do with Ernie and his career and in Dan's own career. Played at Stanford for four years. Um, phenomenal book. Uh, and, and, and yeah, it was a really, really enjoyable interview. All right. So what do you got coming up this week on the Friday pod? Um, I can't say just yet because I don't have it scheduled entirely, ah, but okay, well, good tease. It, 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 it may involve another author, uh, may involve another book, certainly involves the NBA, may even involve somebody you know well. All right. Well, that's, uh, that's one <laughs> that heck of a tease. That narrows yeah. it down. And then good, good work, Howard. Good work. Well, whatever, whoever it is. Check it out on Fridays. Same feed, same podcast. You can check Howard Beck out uh, with his version of it on Fridays. All right, Beck, we are going to do some quarter season awards. We're kind of at the quarter pole mark here of the NBA season. We're going to hand out some hardware uh, for this portion of it. But before we do that, there are a couple of things in the news that I want to touch on. Uh, it seems like this has become the John Wall Watch podcast because we kind of touch on his situation every single week. I wrote a column last week that uh, said, basically, the Wall situation with the Rockets needs to be resolved. I mean, him sitting on the bench, um, traveling with the team while the team is in a free fall, that doesn't really do anybody any good. A couple of days ago, 
it came out that Wall is discussing a return with the Rockets. Uh, what's the way, the best way this ends in your mind, Howard? Should Wall come back? Should they negotiate a buyout? I mean, what what's the most likely outcome here? Well, first of all, I think we should start with giving you, Chris Maddox, credit for starting the free John Wall movement. Because I, I think <laughs> until you demanded it last week... Uh, I really hadn't seen that much. And now John Wall himself is saying basically free John Wall. So credit to Chris Maddox for getting John Wall to try to Well, let me say this, Howard. Howard, he was like, when I wrote that story and I was tweeting about it a little bit, he started replying to me. And, you know, because I, you know, I I was watching and part of the broadcast team for the Celtics Rockets game last week. And I was just remarking that like, man, it's just weird to see this Rockets team getting beat up. And John Wall, a former All-Star, making a lot of money, is just sitting there on the bench. It's one thing if he was just away from the team, but he's there. He's working out with the team. Why not have him active? And, you know, I tweeted out that he was uh, in uniform. He said, no, I wasn't dressed. He was wearing, like, a red sweatsuit that looked like he was in a Rockets uniform. Um, But then when I wrote the column, he was liking it on social media. Like, so clearly at that time... You know where his mind was at, and as we've learned the last couple of days uh, from reporting, there is uh, a a discussion going on with The Rock between John Wall. But continue. My fault. So the story by Jonathan Fagan in the Houston Chronicle this morning is essentially that, you know, John Wall wants not just to play, but to start and to have a serious role. And if that's the case, you, you can't have all these things all be true at the same time. Wanting... All, all the money that's in the contract, which is considerable, so no buyout possibilities. Um, wanting to play, but wanting to dictate terms of how you're going to play, starting minutes, whenever else. Like, one of these things has to give. You either accept what you seemingly agreed to at the start of the season, which was, I'm not going to play. The Rockets will move on without me. They'll trade me if and when they can. If you're, you, I mean, he has the right to change his mind, and that's fine. But the path to freeing John Wall is not that simple. And the path to him playing, if he's going to stay in Houston, is okay. But you can't dictate terms of it. You know, they, the franchise has to decide what is, what is in its own best interests short and long term. And if that means having John Wall come off the bench behind Porter Jr. and Jalen Green when both are healthy, serve as a mentor, anchor the second unit, whatever, then that's what it's got to be. And if he really wants to get traded, which seemingly is the goal of both him and the Rockets, well, then playing and being productive would certainly help. Like, I'm not a big believer in that he has to prove himself again. Like, we know what John Wall can do. He played last season. He's come back from his injury already. The league knows who John Wall is and what he is capable of. The problem, the impediment is still more about the contract. $44 million now, $47 million option for next season. That's tough for anybody to take on. It's tough salary cap math to make a trade. It's just difficult. No one's trying to hold him hostage. But as long as you're there to make the best of it for all parties, it's got to be, listen, I want to play. Just put me back in the rotation. Put me back on the active roster and let me, let me play when needed. But you can't make it then, and by the way, I have to start or I have to play X number of minutes. It's not, that's not a reasonable stance. No, it, it, it's not. And I'm not so sure that's what Wall is looking for. Yes, he wants to start. But I think as much as anything, he wants the opportunity to earn. He doesn't want to come back to the Rockets and have them say, you are a backup. If he is playing better than Kevin Porter Jr., he wants the opportunity to start for this team. So maybe it's semantics, but I don't think he's saying to the Rockets, I am either starting or I'm not coming back. I think he's saying to the Rockets, look, if I'm playing great basketball, I don't want to come off the bench. I want to be the starter. Now, I'd like to point this out. Starting's overrated. What really matters in this league yes. is who finishes, right? Yes. Like not agree. Yeah. How many teams in this league stagger minutes of their stars where, yeah, we saw this with, uh, it's just popping in my head, but Durant and Westbrook in Oklahoma City back in their days. Like Durant would start and come off the floor like three minutes into the game, four minutes of the game at times. Yeah, because you want to stagger their minutes. It matters who finishes games. And that's where John Wall will have an opportunity to prove himself and play. But I'm with you. This team either needs to cut him or bring him back in some capacity. They stink. They're awful. And I heard from several Rockets fans on social media who are saying, no, 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 we don't need John Wall. He will impact the development of Kevin Porter Jr. and Jalen Green. What? 
how is their development served by getting tattooed every night? Like, go back to the Boston game. The Celtics ran away with that game in the third quarter. Jalen Green is, like, kind of out there as the de facto point guard because Porter Jr. was out of the lineup, and he's got, like, this deer-in-the-headlights look. Like, how does it not benefit your team that when the going gets tough, you at least have a seasoned point guard back there to lean on? Make no mistake, John Wall doesn't make them good. You know how I know this? Because he played last year. And they went on a 20-game losing streak last year. So he doesn't make them a playoff team or anything like that. But at the very least, he makes them a little bit more respectable. And at the very least, he might make them a little bit more entertaining. And isn't that part of all this as well? To entertain a fan base and not have people file into the Toyota Center or visiting arenas and watch your team get blasted by 20-plus? They have the worst point differential in the NBA. They're not just losing. They're getting crushed every single night. I, I don't know how leaving John Wall in street clothes makes any sense for this team. No. I mean, look, if he were the old John Wall and you were afraid he was going to ruin your lottery chances by winning too many games, I'd get it. But I don't think he's really going to add to their win total much if he plays. He's not going to impact the the young guys' opportunities because – there's still plenty of minutes to go around, and he's not. You know, John Wall's not going to be playing 40 minutes a night. Um, I really don't see any downside to him playing in that rotation, especially if it's you know whatever, you know, 12 minutes a quarter, or I mean, per, per half. I mean, 12 minutes, a, you know, 24 minutes per game, something like that. The kind of role that you take on when you've kind of slid into mentor role or you've slid into that veteran role because your, your team is going young. Like that's a typical thing. That is not unusual at all. And in the meantime, he can uh, he can play, compete, get reps, um, remind teams what he can do if that's necessary. And maybe it does help the market in terms of trade. I still think that the real problem here is that when it comes right down to it, no matter how badly a team wants John Wall between now and the trade deadline, and some teams certainly will want to get him, trying to manufacture the the salary match to get to 44 million without gutting your roster. It is it's, nearly impossible. Yeah. It might require a seven team trade or something involving like, multiple teams have, that have cap room that you, that you can dump off contracts. I don't even know how you pull it off, but that is the biggest problem. Again, the fastest way to, tr- to free John wall is the one that I'm not recommending and that he will not want to hear anyway. It is take a buyout, give up the option on the 47 million option for 2022, 23, which is crazy, don't do it, but it's that is a way of getting out. If nobody's on the hook for that, and you took a buyout right now, and you're just a free agent that anybody can sign to a minimum contract, you can go play somewhere right now. The path is there. It's just not a, a, a desirable one financially. Well, do what Oklahoma City did with Kemba Walker, where they bought him out for, I'm framing this wrongly, but they bought him out and the the difference in the salary is what he signed for in New York. So yes, figure but out this what's is, out there. But this is impossible because he has a $47 million option for next season, and a buyout would would then mean you're you're foregoing the option, too. No, you're not. You, no, you you can pay that out. I, well, you could, I right, you could do it. I mean, you could buy out both this year at, and, I think, the, yeah, the, well, that's what I'm that saying. year. Buy a both right. Like, right, yeah. but, right, but now the Rockets... But All right, so we're talking about um, 44 and 47, so that's, what, $91 million total? 91 million, how much of the 91 are you paying him to end this? Because that's a lot for them to pay. And the fact is, if you're the Rockets, if you think there's even a remote chance, even a 5% chance that you can trade him for value of some kind, not equal value, but some kind of, of return in February, then you do it. Also, you know, when he, when he's, he becomes an expiring contract next summer after he opts in. Again, 47 million will be hard to move, but... If you think that there's a chance of getting some kind of return for him, it's hard to just give it up. I the, guess. The, the, yeah, the I, I counter guess. argument is it's almost impossible to trade him. Yeah, and, I mean, but you know, Kemba Walker had I think 74 million left on his contract when the Celtics traded him to Oklahoma City. The Thunder bought him out for I think like 54 million, and then Kemba turned around and signed a, a two-year contract yeah. with the Knicks for 20 million. So you're you're getting your money one way or the other. I would suggest, you know. John Wall's representatives kind of canvass the market there, see what's out there for him on a short-term deal and see what you can get that way. That's the only way uh, this ultimately ends in Houston. But it's got to end at some point. You, you can't keep going round and round. I, I can't 
I can't with the Rockets fans that are like, <laughs> it's like you got to play Kevin Porter Jr., the heaviest minutes at point guard. John Wall coming back will mess that up. Porter Jr. is extension eligible after the season. You got to see what you have in him. You got 82 fucking games. Like you get, you got enough time yes. to figure this thing out with Kevin Porter Jr., what you're going to pay him moving forward. You don't have to keep John Wall uh, in street clothes. There's a lot happening these days. But I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters, without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the 7 most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about 7 minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. All right, I mentioned Kemba Walker. That's the news of Monday. Tom Thibodeau came out and told reporters that Kemba Walker is out of the rotation in New York. This has been a wild ride for Kemba Walker over the uh, first 20-ish games of this next season. He started out playing really well. At one point, he was shooting like 56% from three. Those numbers have cratered, and now it's Alec Burks that is the starting point guard for the Knicks. And Kemba Walker, for now, is out of that rotation. What's your reaction to Kemba's very short honeymoon in his hometown? Brutal. Just brutal. Um, Let's talk about it on a human level first, because it was such a celebrated homecoming. And Kemba Walker, one of the all-time good guys in the league, and he was so excited to come come home to New York and play for the Knicks. And... You know, there was there was such a, you know, a a poetic element to this and a very just endearing, emotional uh, aspect of that whole story. And I think everybody wanted the best. Obviously, the Knicks and Kemba wanted the best. But I think all of us who, you know, love following Kemba's career, um, a good homecoming story is irresistible. And Kemba's enthusiasm for playing at the Garden, playing for the Knicks was just, uh, you know, it was moving, frankly. But these homecomings often don't go as as planned. Um, saw that when Stephon Marbury came to the Knicks, uh, and we've seen it with other players in other places as well. Uh, look, the the re- the risks of Kemba Walker were all known when they signed him. I mean, he had multiple you know years running of declining production and declining health, and an inability to stay on the floor, an inability to stay in front of guys defensively. He was never a great defender at his best anyway, and the knee just made it. Well, that much worse. And he's going to play for a coach in Thibodeau who is a defense first guy. Uh, so much so that that Tibbs 
you know, would never pull the plug on Alfred Payton last season, no matter how Knicks fans, uh, you know, how much, how apoplectic they were about that. He was such a minus on offense, but Payton gave some semblance of defense out there, and Tibbs loved that, so he stuck with them. This was such a reversal, going with Kemba and Evan Fournier as this all-offense, no-defense backcourt. And lo and behold, the Knicks have completely inverted from last year. They were a top-10 defense. They're now, I, don't, I haven't looked today, but I think they're bottom third in defense. And they were a bottom third offense last year, and now I think they're top-10 offense. At least last I checked, I'll check again. But Yeah, no, I... Um, I um... This is all about defense, right? Yeah. Like, they're actually a better yeah. offensive team this year than they were last year. And Kemba's offensive numbers aren't terrible. Um, but defensively, he's a liability. And when you have, you have uh, Kemba Walker and Evan Fournier out there, as somebody that watched the Boston Celtics last year, I can tell you, you are a uh, a bad defensive team. And the Knicks, uh, 17th right now in defensive efficiency. They're... That's that their bread and butter is defense, Howard. They were top three in the NBA last season in defense. That's what got them into that top five seed in the Eastern Conference. So, uh, what Thibodeau is doing is looking at Alex Burks and saying, Look, he's 6'6, six, six, bigger, more physical, better defensive player. Maybe he can give us just enough offense that his defensive presence will be more valuable than Kemba Walker. Um, yeah, and, and you know, they love Derrick Rose as the backup. On that team, he's going to be Tibbs' guy until the wheels fall off. So just no place for Kemba Walker in this rotation. But this is all about defense and all about the Knicks underachieving on that end of the floor and Tibbs trying to get that identity back. And just to correct myself in real time. So, uh, yeah, they're not they're not neither bottom 10 in defense nor top 10 um, in offense. So they've, they've evened out. So, yes, as you mentioned, 17th in defense and they're 16th in offense. Yeah. So they're they're very average at both ends right now. Last year, they at least were elite at one thing, defense. And obviously, this is a move to try to get back to that. And maybe not giving up that much offensively because, you know, at this stage, Burks you know, Burks, yeah, he's, he's a pretty good scorer. And Kemba is not the old Kemba. So, um, you know, the unfortunate part here is that, and I think the tough part of that quote today from Tibbs was just, and Kemba's out of the rotation entirely. It's not just that he had to change the starting lineup. It's that Burke starts. Rose is the first guy off the bench. Obviously, they love Emmanuel quickly um, in, in a uh, reserve role. And somehow there's just not enough guard minutes left now for Kemba Walker. To, so to go from the uh, signature signing of the offseason and absolute starter to out of the rotation entirely in six weeks' time, a couple months' time, yeah, it's it's rough. But listen, the next season is kind of hanging in the balance. The East has gotten tougher. We talked about this before the season started. I said I thought they'd be better on paper but worse in the standings, and that's what's happened so far. And I'm not sure that any move in the rotation is going to change that, to be honest. Um, the East has just gotten that much better. The good news is there's a lot of teams that are packed in a very tight span. You know, two-game winning streak, two-game losing streak, could have dramatic ripples on the standing. So they've got a chance. But listen, the, I don't know if we want to go down this path, but the bigger concern for the Knicks, I think, has got to be Julius Randle, who's not playing like an all-star anymore, certainly not playing like whatever he was, second-team All-NBA. He may be the first guy to go from second-team All-NBA to not making the all-star team the next season the way he's playing right now. Yeah, it's been a tale of two seasons for the Knicks. They opened up the year looking great. They start 5-1 and one or something like that, and they've leveled off considerably. Um, all right, before we get to the awards it is now scapegoat season in Los Angeles, Howard, and the vultures are circling around Frank Vogel. Uh, the Lakers beat the Pistons on Sunday. I have a feeling that, that may have saved Frank Vogel's job in that game. Like, that you lose to the Pistons on the back end of, you know, what's been a really rough stretch for the Lakers. I think they lost like 8 out of 10 or something. Some, some bad number that they've had with a relatively soft schedule to start the year. I think Vogel's job might have been in jeopardy if the, they lost the Pistons on Sunday, but it's still, I think he's still skating on very thin ice in Los Angeles. I, I'll be not the first, but I will eagerly say it's not Frank Vogel's fault. You know, this is like blaming the captain of the Titanic because your ship sank when it hit an iceberg the size of Delaware. Like it just, it's just not something you can put on the coach. Last year, Frank Vogel had a team with an identity. This year, or the year before that, when they won a championship, he had a team 
with an identity. That was a tough-minded defensive team with the right players to make it work. This team, I don't know what they are. They are bad defensively. They are bad offensively. They don't have enough floor spacing. The Russell Westbrook trade has not worked up until this point. Westbrook has been a turnover machine. Anthony Davis can't make a shot. How are these the coach's fault? How are these things the coach's fault? What are you going to do? Replace Frank Vogel with who? David Fisdale, Phil Handy, I don't know. Any of the guys that are on that bench and poof, you become a different team? It's the same coach that in his first year with the Lakers won a championship. Did it. Now, it was LeBron who did it. It was Anthony Davis who did it. But it was Frank Vogel that created the defensive system that made them elite. Last year, Anthony Davis doesn't get hurt. The Lakers are probably in the finals. I don't think that's a stretch to say. And now, 20-ish games into the season, they're as bad as people thought they were going to be. And we're pointing the finger at the coach. Uh, like I, I, I believe that there's a relatively... There's a decent chance that Frank Vogel is going to lose his job before the end of the calendar year. But you can't convince me that this mess is his fault. It's not. And to obnoxiously uh, uh, amend your Titanic analogy, um, Vogel's not the captain of the Titanic. Uh, the captain is Palinka, who is the one who actually aimed it at the iceberg. Vogel's like the chef who's just down there in the galley going, wait, we're about to hit a, hit an iceberg? Who who decided to steer us toward the goddamn iceberg? <laughs> like, that's Vogel right now. He did not decide to trade for Westbrook and give up all of their depth. He did, He's not the one who decided to let Alex Caruso walk to Chicago. Um, so everything, like, you know, a, a team, you know, we always have this chicken and egg thing about great defense, right? We talked about it with Tibbs and the Knicks last year. Personnel has a lot to do with whether or not you can construct a great defense. The the, the Lakers had the number one defense uh, by defensive efficiency last season. But that was with Kyle Kuzma and Contavious Caldwell-Pope and Alex Caruso and all the rest of them. And those guys are all gone. They have a completely new roster. They acquired Westbrook, who's a net negative defensively. They acquired or they signed Carmelo Anthony, who's a net negative defensively. They got a bunch of older guys who don't move as well as they used to. Um, you know, they've got... A two-headed center, DeAndre Jordan and Dwight Howard, who are both well, well past their prime. And they just don't have the personnel to manufacture the same kind of elite defense that they had. So they've dropped to whatever it is, I think 18th or something. 18th of defense, behind one spot behind the aforementioned Knicks. Um, that's not going to do it. And Vogel has nothing to do with all of that. The, the, the personnel is much more the problem than anything about rotation or scheme. So I agree with you there. But, the you know, look, part of this too, obviously LeBron has missed half their game so far, 11 of 22, and he has not been at his best. LeBron is shooting eight threes a game, career high, but only shooting 34% on them, and his free throw attempts are down. This is what often happens, right? You get older in your career, you start settling for more jump shots, you drive less. That's an issue. Anthony Davis is shooting horrifically from every zone on the floor. That's an issue. Westbrook's a turnover machine and, oh, doesn't fit that well with those guys, this, exactly as most of us said at the time that they acquired him. So this is very much a Rob Polinka problem, not a Frank Vogel problem in terms of who's at fault, but, you know, the GM doesn't fire themselves in this league. No, they don't. But the way this get Lakers schedule is shaping up, wouldn't surprise me at all to see Frank Vogel scapegoated for all this. You, you mentioned kind of what everybody expected. You know, sometimes we in the media, we can't see the forest through the trees. We miss things that seasoned executives see, and that's why they're in those positions. But a month into the season, you're going to tell me that Buddy Heald wouldn't have been a better fit for this team alongside LeBron James? A month into the season, you're telling me it wouldn't have been a better idea to bring back the band that you know probably would have been a top seed if they had been healthy all season long last year. I probably would have gotten to the finals if AD doesn't get hurt in the first round against Phoenix. Bringing that group back together wasn't the right thing to do. I don't... It just... None of it... It never made sense at the time, and it still doesn't make sense now. We have... You and I have said, Howard, we give the Lakers more time, give them till Christmas, but they're 500 right now with a softish schedule, and now they're going to walk into the teeth of it over the next month or so. I don't know how this gets 
uh, considerably better. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. All right, let's move on and talk some quarter point awards. Been a pretty interesting landscape so far when it comes to some of these awards. Let's start at the top, Howard. Give me your quarter season MVP. It's got to be Steph. I don't know how there's any way around it being Steph. Kevin Durant's got a case to make. Giannis has a case to make now that the Bucks are revived. Seven-game winning streak as we speak. Jimmy Butler, DeMar DeRozan, if you want to talk about uh, the, the Bulls a little. Obviously, they're not quite at that level. There are guys who are having strong seasons, but Steph, the, all right, the, the numbers are the obvious things, right? 28.6 points per game, 6.8 assists, 5.3 rebounds, shooting 42% on threes, 54% on twos, 94% from the foul line. But it's mostly about 18-2, and two, which is the Warriors' record. Um, everybody always wondered... A lot of people wondered, not everybody. A lot of people wondered, skeptics wondered over the years what Steph would do if he had to kind of carry the whole load, the whole burden. Well, he had Durant for those years. And before that, he he had Clay, And he had, you know, Draymond's not a scorer, but he's a star of a different mold. What would happen if Steph had to, to play that role like Harden or Westbrook or somebody where you're carrying the entire burden of the team? Well, guess what? He's able to, to, to still score at a really high, efficient level leading the league in scoring as we speak. That's been flipping back and forth between him and Durant. And he's doing it incredibly efficiently, and he's uplifting the guys around him. I mean, the Warriors are the best record in the league, and they by far do not have... If we were just ranking teams based on star power of their rosters, I don't even know where the Warriors land right now because it... You know, Draymond doesn't have the same kind of star power that, like, you know, a Russell Westbrook has or Anthony Davis, even though he's a better player or a more essential player in a lot of ways. But it's it's Andrew Wiggins and it's Jordan Poole and Gary Payton II and Juan Toscano Anderson and Kavon Looney and an older Andre Iguodala. Um, this is not some star-studded roster that's 18 and 2. It's Steph plus Draymond's, you know, Swiss Army knife toolkit plus a bunch of guys. 
I mean, that is such a tribute to Steph. That is the very definition of me of MVP. Great numbers, and you are uplifting everyone around you so that your team exceeds all expectations. Yeah, you laid out the case perfectly. Um, The numbers are outstanding. His team is playing outstanding. And that was the biggest reason I didn't have Steph Curry atop my MVP ballot last season because... With very few exceptions, I believe you've got to be on a top four team in the NBA to really be the MVP. The Warriors were not that last season through no fault of Steph Curry's. But this year, still without Klay Thompson, still playing some young players in that rotation. He has been dominant from start to finish. The difference between Steph Curry and Kevin Durant for me this season has been, while Durant's put up some outstanding offensive numbers himself, in some of these big games, the Nets haven't won. And whereas the Warriors, they have. They've been great all season long. So um, we agree completely on Steph Curry uh, for MVP. Let's turn to the coaches box right now. Give me your coach of the year so far this season. I hate to do this because I'm I'm, I feel like a, a Warriors homer and I do have Bay Area roots, of course. Um, it's Steve Kerr. Uh, And for a lot of the same reasons that I just listed about Curry, they have really no second option of note, right? Some nights it's Wiggins, some nights it's Jordan Poole, but like these are not your traditional number two options or or co-stars for Curry. Andrew Wiggins was a reclamation project when they got him. He's now playing excellent defense for them and on many nights is that second scorer. And he's comfortable there in a way that he never was in Minnesota. And he is productive and happy. And like credit to the Warriors environment, their culture for for what Wiggins has become. But again, look through the roster, you know, Poole, Gary Payton II, Toscana Anderson, like they're number one in defense in the NBA right now and number two in offense. And it's not because they are they are they're packed with stars or made a bunch of blockbuster moves to, to stock the roster. Uh, Steve Curtis and his staff deserve a ton of credit for taking all these guys, plus, you know, Otto Porter Jr., uh, Nemanja Bjelica, like all these guys, somehow you plug them all together, put them around Steph Curry, and great things are happening. And a lot of that is Steph, but I think a lot of that is, is Steve Kerr and the way he has put guys in a position to succeed, especially guys who weren't great necessarily in their last stop or the stop before that. So, um other good candidates in this category we can talk about, but I think right now it's Steve Kerr. Yeah, I I don't have a problem with Steve Kerr, but for me it's Monty Williams. Um, not just because the Suns, as we're recording this, are 17-3 and three and looking every bit like a team poised to get back into the finals next season, but because of the off-the-court stuff that Monty Williams has had to navigate with this team. Like, on a smaller scale... It began at the start of the season when DeAndre Ayton didn't reach terms on a contract extension with the team. That can be problematic, as you know, Howard, in locker rooms. If a guy doesn't get his extension, where does his mind go? Is DeAndre Ayton as committed this year to being just kind of the guy that's the defensive linchpin to score when he can? Uh, That was a big reason. The Suns were successful last season. Ayton has been that guy again this year. That's a credit to Aiton, first and foremost, but I think it's a credit to Monty Williams as well. More importantly, the Robert Sarver stuff. I mean, the ESPN story that dropped on the head of Robert Sarver and the Suns could have demoralized that team. It could have created a distraction that festered in the locker room and cost them games. Instead, as we record this, the Suns have won 16 games in a row. (laughs) They have been on fire since that story uh, dropped. So I got to give Monty Williams credit for not only his on-court coach coaching, like stumble over that, which is great, but his ability to kind of lead the Suns through. Doesn't do it alone. Of course, Chris Paul is there. Some other veterans are there. But Monty Williams is the head of the snake with that team. And his ability to kind of navigate these turbulent waters over the last few weeks that gives him a slight edge on my ballot over Steve Kerr. And if we were doing this as a ballot, Monty Williams would probably be my number two. I I did vote for him as number one last season when he finished second to Thibodeau for coach of the year. But I had Monty at the top of my ballot last season. Um, 
And I think we are once again seeing his value for a lot of the reasons you just listed, his leadership, that steady hand. And yeah, they are in, in, in rough waters right now as a franchise because of what's going on with Robert Sarver. And to be able to keep every guy, everybody focused on the task at hand and put that to the side. Now, easier done at the moment because there's an investigation going on and it's, so it's kind of backburnered. And if that investigation's results uh, are published during the season, which I suspect they will be, that's going to be a whole other way for them to deal with. And, and that's out there on the horizon. Like if the, if the investigation by the NBA's law firm finds even 80% of what ESPN reported, it may, they may find more. It may be 120%. There may be much more to find. They're going to have to deal with that. Um, they're going to have to address it as players, as an organization, and decide what to do about it. Is this going to be like with Donald Sterling, where the Clippers, you know, frankly wanted to, to boycott at the time? Um, we'll see what that investigation produces, but that's that's still kind of hanging in the background. But Monty Williams is a great choice there. Other guys who we, we should at least note, I think Ty Lue's done a fantastic job with the Clippers, Eric Spolstra per usual with the Heat, and Billy Donovan with the Bulls. I think all those guys would be in the discussion. Yep. Uh, to button up the Phoenix stuff, uh, DeAndre Ayton's averaging 18.4 points, uh, 10.2 rebounds. That's a career high. And uh, he's shooting 64% from the field. Just max him out already like somebody's gonna max him what out you, yeah, I, what were you waiting for what exactly but, waiting but again for? But, right on the basketball side is if robert sarver doesn't have enough to uh, you know uh, account for with everything else on the basketball side he has a long history as being a bit of a cheapskate and we're seeing that again on the eight in front crazy crazy all right rookie of the year is up next a pretty clear choice for me let's see if it is for you who is your rookie of the year so far it's really neck and neck I know you're an Evan Mobley guy, and I, I'm, I'm sure that's where you're going, but no. let me just... I, no? I, no. <laughs> Chris Duarte? <laughs> Go ahead. It's a two-man race between Scotty Barnes of, of the Raptors and Evan Mobley of the Cavs. Um, and even look, I'm, I'm going to go through the stats real quick here because this is how close it is. Barnes is at 15.2 points a game. Mobley's at 14.5, not even a full point behind him. Assists, Barnes 3.3, Mobley 2.5. Rebounds, Barnes 8.3, Mobley 8.1. Free throw percentages are close. They're both shooting about you know, a little over three free throws per game. Effective field goal percentage, 504 for Barnes, 516 for Mobley. Um, and then, of course, there's there's just the inverse on steals and blocks. Barnes has 1.1 steals, a little bit ahead of Mobley. Uh, Mobley's got 1.8 blocks way ahead of Barnes, but Mobley's a big man. That tends to be the case. Um and in terms of impact, like the Cavs are the bigger surprise because they've been so bad for so long. And Mobley's a big reason, not the sole reason, but a big reason why they're suddenly respectable. The Raptors are still kind of trying to find themselves again. Um, and they're both starting and playing every night and playing big minutes and playing big roles. Like as it stands right now, Chris, if we had to file ballots, I don't even know. I, I'm not sure how I would go, but you seem to have a good idea about where you're going. No, I mean, it, I agree. It's close. Um, but and I am an Evan Mobley guy. Like watching him out there, he has been incredible. Like his defensive ability is the kind of thing we haven't seen at that spot since Anthony Davis. It is like I forget. I don't know what the exact numbers are right now, but his contests, like which are not sexy numbers that people see in a traditional box score, but he's contesting shots at the rim. He's contesting three point shots. This is a guy who's going to become not Mike is going to become one of the NBA's dominant defensive players. I'm not sure what position that's going to be. Right now, he's playing really well alongside Jared Allen. Maybe as he, time goes forward, gets a little more size on him, he's going to have to be a five, but Allen's certainly got a movable contract uh, there. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm really impressed with Evan Mobley. I guess I'm just a little bit more overall impressed with Scotty Barnes. Maybe part of it, Howard, is... Like, nobody thought the Raptors should have taken Scotty Barnes here. Remember? Like, draft night's like, Jalen Suggs. That's the guy. Oh, my God. I can't believe they didn't take Jalen Suggs. They took Scotty Barnes at that spot. What a catastrophic mistake by Masai Ujiri and Bobby Webster. Uh, no. No. And maybe we should stop, you know, assuming the Raptors make these kind of mistakes since they have a roster loaded with guys who were not blue chip prospects from Pascal Siakam, who was the 27th pick several years ago, Fred Van Vliet undrafted. Like they are really good at looking at talent 
and seeing where they should slot it in. Scotty Barnes, you know, I had this conversation with Brian Scalabrini during the week, and I see a lot of Scotty Pippen in Scotty Barnes, like that that ability to handle. <coughs> Excuse me, great size, uh, physicality. That he's probably the most physical rookie in this uh, this draft right now. You know, the the fluidity in the open floor when he has the ball. I, I make that comparison. Scal kind of pointed to Giannis in like his, what was the second or third year, third or fourth year, whenever he won most improved. Like that's like as, as him being that type of player. And that, that to me gives him a slight edge, a slight edge over Evan Mobley. But this, this is, to go bigger picture, Howard, like this could be one of those draft classes where it's going to be really interesting to see who the guy is that emerges from it. Like Jalen Green, he is going to be a great scorer. Like he's going to average like 25, 27 for multiple years in his career. I don't know what to make of Cade Cunningham yet, but the talent is obviously there. Suggs, I think he's going to be a really good player in Orlando. It might be a few years before we can figure it out, but this is going to be one of those draft classes that could have a lot of high-end talent in it. No, it's it's been really strong so far, and Cunningham had the early injury that kind of slowed him down, but you see uh, the the elements that made him a really valuable guy and, and, and a guy that was kind of the consensus number one. Um, I was joking earlier about Chris Duarte. He's obviously not going to be in rookie of the year discussion, but even a guy like him who's taken 13th and immediately started playing a big role for the Pacers, contributing yep. immediately, 24 years old, so he's an older rookie. But um, there's just a lot of quality in this in this class. And the rookie of the year race is interesting because, yeah, right now I think it's it's squarely a two-man race with Barnes and Mobley, but that's partially because Cunningham got was slow out of the gate with the injury. And he'll, you know, look, he's going to have to deal with the weight of of the losses, too, that comes into play ultimately. You've got to have absolutely just spectacular individual stats to overcome that. It's I don't think it's I, I don't think most of us vote for rookie of the year. You're expected, especially because most of the best rookies go to shitty teams. You're not necessarily going to hold that against them. But when push comes to shove, if it's close, if it's a two or three man race, you do start to lean toward the guy who contributed more to winning. So that's going to be tougher for for Cunningham and certainly for Jalen Green. So when it comes to the award. You know, Barnes and Mobley as guys who are, hey, look, both teams could miss the playoffs. You know, I'm not sure the Cavs are going to really hold on to to where they are in the standings now. Maybe they make the play-in. The Raptors can make the play-in. Um, but I think that the, the, the records of those two teams clearly will be better than Detroit's and Houston's. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. 
Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, I don't want to spend too much time on Most Improved. It's Miles Bridges, right? Like, is there another guy yes. we're missing at this point? I mean, there's been good players, don't get me wrong, but Miles Bridges is averaging 20 points per game this season, up from 12 last year. He's playing 36 minutes a night for this Hornets team, and he's been good on both ends. The three-point shooting's kind of cooled off as of late, but I think over the course of the season, he's going to be a mid-30s type uh, three-point shooter. And he, he kind of fits my criteria, Howard, where... I don't like to give this award to like top five picks. I mean, a lot of people vote for top five picks. They're supposed to improve. Miles Bridges a few years ago was the 12th pick in the draft. Matt, those guys have some expectations, but he is in the all-star mix this year. And that to me makes him the obvious uh, leading candidate right now for most improved. How would you feel about a guy who was 13th in the draft? Does he qualify? He would qualify. Okay. Uh, Let me introduce you to Tyler Hero. You may have heard right. of him. Well, he's going to come up shortly. So I was he's, t- Tyler Tyler Hero, just to go over his his numbers and his improvement from last year. Obviously, a disappointing sophomore season at 15 points a game. He's up to 21.8. So he has made um, you know a seven almost seven point improvement. He's shooting almost 40 percent from three point range. He's at 398, up from 360 last season, um, and. His rebounds are up. His assists are up a tick. He's had a bunch of really big games for the Heat, and he's playing a really important role on a you know he's, he's you know probably their third best player right now. I mean I don't know if he's third most important. I don't know where we want to slot Kyle Lowry in there, but Tyler Hero is among their top three players right now for a team that could challenge for uh, the Eastern Conference crown. So that to me means a lot as well. His, you know, his improvement, it's, you know, it's most improved. You know, in this case, wins don't come into play as much, right? It's not like with six man and some other stuff. He could win six man too, by the way. <laughs> well, um, that's, but, that's, that's, that's kind of where I have him slotted. Um, yeah. On hero, like maybe the one difference I would say is like, if he had done this between year one and year two, maybe I would have like the, the dip last year and his scoring numbers went up, but his three point shooting went down. A bunch of numbers went down. It didn't play as well. His second year yes. as people were kind of counting on playing out of his mind right now, which is great. But Bridges has been kind of a slow burn where he's kind of hovered around like 11, 12, 13 points per game over the first few years of his career. And just taken off this year. And It's the Hornets, more dramatic. Yeah. Yes. And, and the Hornets, to me, like, you know, they'll be around 500 at the end of the year. They'll be in the playoff mix. Um, and he will be, along with LaMelo Ball, like the biggest reasons that they're, uh, that they're right there. So I'm, I got Bridges pretty well locked in at that spot in my ballot. I do have Howard, Tyler Hero, as my choice for sixth man so far. I mean, he has been outstanding coming off that Miami bench for all the reasons you articulated. The three-point shooting is back up once again, as you said, close to 40%. His field goal percentage is close to 46%. That is or would be a career high. He's shooting 87% from the line, which is seven points up from last season. Um, all the numbers across the board, they are up for Tyler Hero, including assists. So he's ball, he's playmaking a little bit more uh, as well. I think Tyler Hero, pretty strong choice right now for six man. Very strong choice. He'd be my choice as well. I'm not sure there's a second place right now. Um, there's, yeah. there's there's no, like, nobody else really, especially when we talk about with six man, you, you would prefer the six man of the year be, somebody who's on a team that is at minimum a playoff team and probably a high-level playoff team because what's the point of having a great six-man to finish ninth or tenth in your conference? You know what I mean? Like, it's 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 kind of baked into me that it's got to be somebody on a really high-level team, and the Heat are that, and Hero fits that perfectly. Um, I don't know. It, 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 does anybody else even spring to mind? I mean, I can't... I, I, I look over the list, and there's there's nobody else to me that even is, is worth um, considering as we sit here on November 29th. No, not that's close to hero. Jordan Clarkson, last year's winner, has not had the same type of season. No. Um, old friend Lou Williams, <laughs> not in that no. mix as well. <laughs> like, they're their the guys. Hawk, the they're, Hawks have like a bunch of really good sixth men is the thing. Yeah. So they're, you know, they're, there's no one guy there who's standing out. Yeah, to me, um, it's, it's, uh, it's Tyler Hero all the way. Um, 
at this point. Um, you know, quickly, I guess, on Defensive Player of the Year, is this the year somebody takes it from Rudy Gobert? Like, you know, he's perennially the front runner. He hasn't won it every year in a row, obviously. Uh, a couple of years ago, he lost it. But is this the year that somebody other than Gobert claims that award? I mean, right now, you can make a very strong case for Draymond Green. Yep. Um, who I think was second last year. Um, he's in there. Um, I think Bam Adebayo is going to make a case again. Uh, you know, Gobert, the Jazz are eighth in defense, in defense right now. Are they? Are they I think they're yeah. top five. No, are they, wait, uh, or am I looking at last yeah, year? They're, they're, no, they're no, no. They're first which, offensively. Which, which stats site are you looking at? Nah, I'm on uh, our old friend basketball reference right now. So basketball references uh, formula for doing defensive and offensive efficiency is slightly different than the NBA's. So I, I lean on the NBA.com oh, well, site so for sorry. this one. So, so sorry, Howard. Didn't, uh... <laughs> I'm just letting you know. I'm, I'm trying okay. to inform you and our listeners. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. All right, go ahead. Carry on. I actually know the reason why, too, but I won't go into it because it'll bore everybody to we death. We don't need people to tune out right away. Give us a few <laughs> the, more minutes to end the show, then we'll do it. The, the, jazz, the jazz and Nets are tied uh, at 7th and 8th. Um, in defensive efficiency. So they're they're actually down a little from where we're used to seeing them. And that could hurt Gobert, potentially. Um, because we, we tend to kind of cross-reference these things, right? Like, yeah. individual defensive stats, uh, eye test, and by the way, is your team elite defensively? Because if they're not, then it's kind of hard to make the argument that you should be defensive player of the year. Eighth right. is still very good, but it's not the top two, three, four that we're used to seeing the Jazz. That might hurt him a little. Right. Yeah. Oh, Draymond, definitely in that mix. Bam Adebayo, definitely in Giannis. that mix. Giannis, always in that mix. Giannis, even though he won it during his MVP season, um, I, I still don't think gets enough credit for what he does defensively. As versatile as they come at that end of the floor, people just kind of focused a lot on, justifiably, on his offensive game. Defensively, uh, he is still great. Um, let's, what do we have left? What, uh, what do we have I think we hit all the major ones. Oh, the major one, sixth man, most improved rookie of the year. We're not uh, about to start filling out all NBA teams. So. No, I don't want to do all NBA teams <laughs> just yet. I think that's it. I think we got through uh, all the key categories. We don't vote for executive of the year right now. but uh, No, that's the executives vote for executive exec- of the year. Their peers. I'm going to bet Rob Palenka is not going to win it this season. I'm going to guess Rob Palenka is not going to be in that Mitch. Mitch Kupchak down in Charlotte. Yeah, maybe it's not off. Former Laker GM. He's, had, he's had quietly had a, a pretty good run down there uh, with the Hornets. Uh, nah, yeah, well, well, we'll leave that to the executives to, uh, to ultimately figure out. Howard, we'll be back here, though, doing this again next week. And I'm going to, uh, unless there is big news regarding John Wall, I'm going to make next week's podcast the first one we've done in a month that will not discuss John Wall. How about that? Are you okay with that? We're, we're going to free us from John Wall. Free this podcast from a John Wall conversation. We'll do it again next week, Art. Always a pleasure, my friend. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. 
Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. 